This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Welcome back in, and we said a short break. That was a short break, 814 the time. Right now, 51 degrees for you, and I'll just shape it up to be another beauty of a fall day on this Friday, October 16th. Lisa Trail joining us from Murfreesboro City Schools. She's the communication director, and, well, figured we'd be a great uh, great person to bring on as we have reached, what, the, the quarter mark of the school year uh, just about. So uh, that's exciting. We have uh, a, a lot of things, you know, kind of, going for their first trial run these last couple months and and we're going to talk about how that's looked and uh, you know kind of talk to the parents the students the community on a broad spectrum give them some information some things they want to know and i've been collecting some questions throughout the week from listeners and from people in and around the area so uh, we really appreciate you coming on and uh, answering some of these questions for us absolutely i'll try my best all righty lisa well i wanted to start off just uh, right off the top how's the school year been going so far uh, what have you learned? What have you seen? What's been different? Anything that's that's popped up and you said, well, we just didn't think that would happen, but here we are. We're gonna we're gonna take it on. How have things been? Oh wow, that's a lot of questions now. <laughs> <laughs> the school year has actually gone really well. Uh, obviously, a lot of um, new experiences for both our teachers and our students, as well as honestly everyone in our district, um, from transportation and how do you transport children through a you know pandemic. Uh, to our custodians who are doing a tremendous job of making sure that our schools stay clean and disinfected. So not just clean, but making sure we've got that disinfectant on those high-touch areas, desks, all those kind of things. So for everyone, it has been a challenge, but I think I can honestly say that everyone has stepped up to that, including the students and parents. The parents have been tremendous as far as being flexible with us, allowing us to make a few mistakes and say, oh, that didn't work. Let's try it this way. Um, So, and our students as well. So it's been wonderful. We did uh, come back to school the week before fall break with everyone. So anyone who wanted to be in school, pre-K through sixth grade, had the option to be in school. And then we also have the opt-out option. So we have about 20% of our students now, a little less. It's about 18% of our students that are still doing distance learning. We call those our Zoomers. And then we have about a little bit over 80% of our students that are in the room. So our Roomers and our Zoomers. Um, we started the school year a little different. This is actually how we planned to start the school year. But the COVID numbers went up so quickly right there in that July time when we were trying to make decisions that we actually began the school year with pre-K through second grade in school and third through sixth grade uh, at a distance with everyone always had the option you know like there were some options in there that if you just had to have your child in school we did have that so uh, we probably through about the again the week before fall breaks when we came back for everyone we had about 55 percent in the in the school and about 45 percent on uh, line so we've adjusted this is our second week uh, looking at this this new numbers in our classrooms and um, again it's 
the students have done great. Uh, we're eating in the classroom instead of the lunchroom, so that was an adjustment. We are wearing masks. That was the one thing we, we worried about and talked about so much and has probably been the least problem that we've had. Children just adapted. They put their mask on. Teachers have figured out how to either teach with a mask or a face shield on or stay uh, appropriately distance away so they can teach. You know, if they're, if they're six or more feet away from the children, they take it off and they teach up at the board. So it's, you know, when you walk into our classrooms, it's just amazing. We do miss having um, our visitors in our classrooms, our parents, our uh, guests, especially with our STEAM pro- programs. But that's just life for right now, and we've, we're going to know that next year will look different. Wonderful. And I know you, you touched on a lot of different things there. I wanted to start with transportation. How has that looked? And for folks who maybe don't have kids in school and they're wondering, mm-hmm. how are you doing it? What What is the secret? What What does that look like? Well, uh, first of all, we're asking parents to bring their children if they can. And uh, parents have really stepped up and done that. So our drop-off line for all schools is way, <laughs> way longer than it has been in the past years. So less students are riding the bus which has enabled our bus drivers to keep some safe distances um, they load from back to front and then they unload from front to back so students are not walking up and down those aisles and touching in and everybody uh, they do clean you know the bus with this 24-hour disinfectant that has really helped with that um, and then um, again there there's fewer on the bus so you may have 20 people riding the 80 person bus that's really made a big difference as well. Okay, and everybody's kind of spread out then. And right, right. So you sit with your family groups, and if you're not part of that family group, you would not be in the same seat as that uh, as another student. Wonderful. You said a lot of the parents have even kind of stepped up and able to just drive their kids to school, which Absolutely. is helpful. Absolutely. It has made a big difference. So those parents dropping off their children at school has made a huge difference. And, again, we still have 20% of our children that are learning from home, so... And then as far as sanitation goes, you know, that was one of the big ones coming in. They said, how can you guys keep up with that? You mentioned a lot of high-touch areas, high-surface touch areas, maybe the handrails, the desks, the the lockers, Mm -hmm. things like that that uh, students and and kids that are constantly going back to. What has been the game plan there? I know you guys, this was one of the big things right from the get-go. You said we have to have the supplies, we have to Mm -hmm. have the manpower, we have to have the time, and it sounds like that's worked. What does that look like? Yeah, so uh, the – our cleaning supplies look different than the household cleaning supplies. So one of the products that we use is a 24-hour product that kills the virus for 24 hours, which is really helpful. Um, then we use the typical Lysol wipes and things like that as well. But um, just going in and being very um, cognizant of where those hands are touching, what we're doing. Our teachers also have uh, – we're not doing a lot of sharing. That makes a big difference. So um, you have your own crayons, your own – manipulatives everything is is you're touching it yourself and no one else's in the past one of the things we teach during class is sharing so you might have all of your crayons in one big box in the center of a table and everybody grabs so a few things like that that we've had to really concentrate on and the teachers really have done a, a tremendous job with uh, preschool they're having to clean between rotations because you just can't teach a preschooler at you can it's hard for preschoolers to remember not to touch other students' things. So depending on the grade level, it looks a little bit different. But, again, our custodians are really doing a great job, as well as our teachers. It's not just on the custodians. The teachers are really maintaining their classrooms as well. 
Wonderful. And it, I mean, it looks like the beginning of the year, it's hard to know how much of this you'll need, but it looks like you guys have, have you know, got enough to stretch. It'll, it'll kind of last the school year. That, that right now is kind of how that looks. Yes. Um, the state and the federal government have helped us with those PPE, uh, those protective equipment and uh, supplies. So that makes a big difference. We ordered very, we ordered very early. So we had um, the, the equipment we needed, which would be those cleaning wipes and everything in hand. So, um, a lot of good foresight on behalf of our nursing uh, team as well as our um, support staff. And a lot of the same things I'm hearing so far is you guys planned ahead and, you know, you maybe even took a few extra steps to make sure that, that you were able to get that done on whether it be transportation, uh, the sanitizing side, all of this. That You know, uh, the wheels were turning months ago to make sure this would fire off properly, and it sounds like so far a lot of things have been working. They they have. And, and again, I'm, I'm amazed and... Um, it's just been a team effort. Our maintenance team, they've stuff. I, I can't, there is no one who hasn't worked hard to make, ensure that our children are going to school in a safe environment, in a, an environment ready to learn. Uh, nutrition has figured out how to serve meals in classrooms. Um, it's just, I, again, I, I, it's teachers are the ones teaching, but those support teams are the ones who are helping make it happen. And we appreciate them. As I mentioned, I've been gathering listener questions and, and kind of mm-hmm. getting some things in order, and that was one of the things that somebody was wondering about was the eating schedule. Now, you mm-hmm. said uh, people are eating in the classroom. Right. Are we still doing hot lunches? Are uh, parents and, and students encouraged to bring a lunch, or are you guys figuring out a way to, to still serve those? And there, there's some classics. Everybody remembers their, their school lunches from back <laughs> in the day. There were some you really look forward to. Uh, how does that look so far? Well, they are hot on many occasions. Sometimes they're not, just like if you were going through a serving line. But most of the time, they are hot lunches. Uh, I should have looked to see what we're having today. But it's ravioli. It's chicken and waffles. It's it's mashed potatoes. It's things that kids love, but also good and healthy for them. Uh, we do have, um, and they were able to buy the individual trays that have the lids on them that are not disposable. So we didn't want to, the other thing we didn't want to do is have a bunch of stuff going to the landfill. So they're uh, able to. Uh, keep it warm and send it to the students in the classroom and we we, again we've had to work through a few bugs of that and who brought their lunch who didn't bring their lunch whose lunch got ordered whose didn't that kind of things but we we've for the most part worked out those kinks and we're continuing to work through making sure that the meals are easier for uh, teachers and children to to get into classrooms so they do stay in their classroom for lunch or they go outside days like this a lot of them are eating outside mm-hmm. um the breakfast in the classroom we've been doing for years so we already kind of had a model for it and um again it's just one of those where everybody had to rethink and again and we've had to not only rethink when we first started but we've had to back up look at the product look at what's happening and see if we can do it again a different way and better and that's what we've 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 done that we've had a few false starts but you know with anything as new as this i think it's it's to be expected. Absolutely. Lisa Trail joining us. She's the communications director with Murfreesboro City Schools. And uh, as we work our way down the the class scheduling, so you know, I'm thinking back to high school, every 50 minutes or maybe every few hours, you, the bell would ring, the hallways filled with students <laughs> for about five minutes, and then it's quiet again. And you can you know, hear crickets because everybody's mm-hmm. switching classes. How does that look this year? I know a lot, of, a lot of teachers, a lot of students are staying in classrooms and the teachers are moving. Is that the case for all grades? How, how does that look? That looks very... Yes, and again, because we're elementary, we don't trade a lot of grades. So that those hallways full 
aren't those are typically high school hallways or mm-hmm. middle school hallways but uh, yes like our um art teachers our music teachers our special area teachers are actually rotating through the classrooms versus the classrooms going to them so that's where the hallways would be filled up library doing the same thing bringing library books back and forth and and that's one thing we've had to figure out is how do we get children in the library how does this work um so for the most part the special area teachers are rotating to the classrooms versus the classrooms rotating to them um, if you're in a special resource class or something like that, the teachers will come and get you, take you back to their class, but keep you socially distanced um, or with mask on, either one way or the other. So it's just everybody's had to get a little bit uh, creative, and that's that's really happened. And some of our sixth graders do have um, special areas like you may have uh, one teacher that's teaching science and one teacher teaching something else, and they've worked that out between themselves. So it may look a little different at one of our larger schools versus one of our smaller schools. And as far as different uh, types of classes, mm-hmm. I know uh, something maybe like a gym gym mm-hmm. class might be a little tougher to socially distance, might be a little tougher if people sweating and moving around than, say, a math class or an English class. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that look? Are, are, are gym classes and PEs still firing off? Do they have certain things that they've had to do to, to work around? Absolutely. We still have a mandate of uh, 60 minutes a week for physical education. And, um, yes, yeah, so they're still there. They are doing different things than what they have been in the past. The PE teachers, along with Again, they're part of that special area team. Very creative. Uh, Some of the PE classes have been done outside this year. uh, But our gyms are pretty large. So they're out and uh, getting that exercise because we know it's very important for them to get the exercise. They need that physical exercise to make that mental juices start working so we do have mandates still in place they didn't they didn't relieve those so we are still trying to meet all of those and uh get out there and and get moving so um a lot of jump ropes uh and other really cool kind of activities they're doing in pe well we've seen with you know local high school with college with professional sports they've figured out ways to do it and do Mm -hmm. it safely and maybe you know some of those things can kind of come down uh tag might not be uh, (laughs) might not be a game that is uh uh, something right now but there are other sports of course you can i have seen them play in shadow tag which is kind of cute you know it's like you tag the shadow versus the person so Ah, uh, now that could work it's it's a really cute version (laughs) of tag all righty well we've uh you know kind of gotten uh so the scheduling, the moving around, the, the getting kids to and from school, sounds like a lot of that is going well. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, teachers, and is there a shortage there? Do substitute teachers, are they are they more common now? If a teacher gets sick or something happens, you know, of course, they need to be out for a few weeks. Um, how does that look? Are, are, we in, are we in need of more subs? Uh, are the Absolutely. Teachers... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. We need subs. So if you're interested in subbing, please call the central office. We always need more subs. In a typical year, we need more subs, but this year, definitely, um, the sub pay is pretty good, actually, and uh, you could have a high school degree or a college degree to be able to be a sub, so all of the details about being a substitute is on our website, or you can call our HR department. They actually, there is a training to be a sub. We don't just hire you and put you in a classroom. (laughs) That would be kind of horrible for all of us mm-hmm. but so there is a training to go through and you actually can honestly pick your schools as well so if you live on the west side of town and you go okay i don't want to walk i don't want to sub all the way over at 
uh, Irma Siegel, for instance. Mm. You could say, I want to sub at the four schools closest to me. So we really try to be flexible with our subs, and we also try to keep them in one school where they feel comfortable, one or two schools, because you always have that comfort zone mm. um, of knowing where the classrooms are, knowing where the break rooms are, knowing where all of this, you know, a lot of our schools have the same footprint. So if you're at Black Fox or Northfield, it's the same footprint, just a little bit, just a few little tweaks here and there. So um, definitely need subs. If you're looking for some extra holiday money, now's the time. And our subs are in the classrooms. We're not putting, uh, expecting subs to do the uh, Zoom classes. And as far as that goes, I know, you know, you always want more subs. It's always nice to have a, a you know, backup plan as far mm-hmm. as teachers getting sick or going on vacation, things like that. Has that ramped up more this year compared to past years based on with what we're dealing with? Or is it? The subs? Yes. Yes. Um, we had a lot of our subs who were um, maybe retired teachers or retired, and this was just something they did. And because of their age, didn't feel comfortable to be in a sub this year. So we did have some of our subs to uh, not come back. So definitely we are feeling the crunch, and we do need extra subs this year. All righty. Well, Lisa, we're going to take our first quick time out. We'll catch a breather and uh, check on that weather and traffic. And uh, we'll be back in just a second. Lisa Trail joining us from Murfreesboro City Schools. If you'd like to call or text 615-893-1450, we'll get to those questions. And it looks like people are texting this morning, and that is okay. But uh, either or, whichever's easier for you. Uh, if you have any questions, we're here to answer those for you. We'll be right back. October is Car Care Awareness Month, and First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna wants to give you 10% off for your fall tune-up. So stop by and make sure that heat is blowing hot and your air conditioning is not. That's 10% off for your fall tune-up at First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. Holden Hardware can now cut and program many of the new transponder keys that operate many of the Ford, Honda, Chrysler, Toyota, and many other vehicles. These are the keys with a computer chip in the head that have to be programmed to fit your vehicle. Not only can we rekey your residential and commercial locks and cut a wide variety of keys, Holden Hardware can now cut and program many of the transponder-type vehicle keys. Come by and see us on the Courthouse Square or call us at 893-1122. License number 111. Mostly sunny skies here for this afternoon with a high in the low 60s. Winds out of the north at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear skies alone near 35. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 46. Good morning, traffic still holding up here as we check it out live on 24 Westbound here at 840. Some of the traffic getting on to 840 headed over towards Franklin, Williamson County. It's building out here sections of Middle Tennessee Boulevard. There's still a steady flow of traffic right now on 231 coming uh, out of Shelbyville headed up towards the interstate. Hey, celebrate autumn this year at Obergatlenburg during Oktoberfest. Now through November 1st, all the fun details at Obergatlenburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic.
Welcome back into News Radio WGNS. A quick reminder if you just heard that weather and traffic update, this hour brought to you by First Class Sales and Service of Smyrna. They're conveniently located at 307 Hazelwood Drive in Smyrna and reminding you not to wait on that fall tune up. In fact, they're going to give you 10% off a fall tune up from now through the end of the month. As temperature cools, make sure you can roll on your car to warm you up and get you where you need to go safely. So stop by First Class Sales and Service of Smyrna. They're located at 307 Hazelwood Drive, conveniently located in Smyrna. And like I said, that 10% off. Uh, all you got to do is walk in, say you mentioned uh, mentioned you heard this ad, and they'll get you 10% off that fall tune-up. Something you need to think about is the temperature starts to cool. Your car's going to need certain things. So don't put that off. All righty, we get back into it now. The action line continues with... Uh, our guest this morning, Lisa Trail, Communications Director with Murfreesboro City Schools. And, well, she has been brave and uh, coming here and answering these questions. I, I When I reached out, I said, you know, we might just have some some random questions to fire at you, listener questions and, you know, things that we've thought about here. And uh, so far, so good. It sounds like everything is, is really working and, you know, the plans that you guys had in place are working. Uh, a lot of the things that you thought might come up have come up, and, and you've been able to overcome that. We've talked about the need for subs. Mm-hmm. Uh, many many students getting rides in from their parents from school, so the school buses are a little more empty, which is good. So mm-hmm. the kids that need to get rides to school can, uh, and they can do so safely. Now, the, the drop-off line for parents is a little longer this time of the year. A little but, longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's expected, and that is, that is a minor speed bump for, for something that needs to be done and uh, to do so safely to get those kids in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it sounds like a lot of things have gone well. One of the questions that we had come in this week, and I thought this was interesting, they're asking if there's a shortage in supplies at all, thinking you have all these kids, maybe kids are losing masks, or uh, they, you send them home with something and they forget it the next day. But that hasn't been the problem. You guys, you guys have been ready for that as well. Talk about that. Well, the mask issue has been just amazing. It's almost like glasses where you don't... You, if you're like me and you wear glasses every day, we may have to hunt for them, but I've always had my glasses on. Um, so we haven't had as many masks that have been lost as what we expected. And I do want to just say a thank you to the curbside cleaners. They've told us early on, if you have masks that need to be cleaned, we'll do it for you. So, um, But it's hard to find the original owner, but they are nice and clean now. So uh, we did receive masks early as part of our PPE supplies, and uh, most children actually have their own mask. They're coming to school, they're cute as can be with their mask, and it fits their face. So that's not something where we're really needing a lot of. Um, you know, this time of year, we're always needing Lysol wipes and Kleenex. And I would say, I haven't asked the teachers lately, but I'd say it's still top of their list because it's we're getting ready for cold and flu season, and that's what we always need is Kleenex. Kleenex and uh, Lysol wipes or something like that would always be appreciated. Um, last week, whenever I had another organization ask um, what Cornerstone Financial asked, they what do y'all need? And I was like, we need post-it notes and expo markers. <laughs> so, you know, there's always specific needs that teachers are running into. And um, so, you know, if you if you have a particular school you want to donate to, their need may be different than across the board. But across the board, we're always willing to take in those uh, wipes and uh, Kleenexes. And then there's always other things that we can utilize uh, Sharpie markers, that kind of thing. So just call us or uh, call your school. I mean, they may have a specific need. 
And I would say if, if you do so, call them ahead of time and maybe figure out the best way to give them the, the expos or the sticky notes or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, maybe it could just walk in and they'd be a familiar face. You could hand them over the desk. Yeah. But uh, right now, things are a little more fragile in that way. So I would yeah. call in. But, you know, like you said, they certainly would appreciate, you know, that kind absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are things every year. I think, I, you know, uh, maybe chalk at one point. Now expo markers for the dry erase boards. Always <laughs> yeah. something you could use more absolutely. of. Absolutely. Hey, we had a, an interesting uh, term that I actually learned when you came in this morning. We mentioned it Zoom. Rumors and rumors. So if you could go back over what that is, and I wanted to talk about uh, each side, what that looks like mm-hmm. for folks at home and for the students in the classroom. Well, and that's just kind of an easy way for us to remember who we're talking about. So our distance learners, those that are in the house or in their own home, uh, we call those uh, our Zoomers because they're usually they're on a Zoom um, call. They're doing Google Classroom. They're just not in our rooms. The ones who actually are we're physically seeing, there are rumors. So Zoomers and rumors. Um, our Zoom children, um, again, we have about 18, 18 to 20 percent of students still doing that for a, a variety of reasons. Um, we do have expectations for those students, and that is one thing that we, we have to really speak with the student and the parent about is the expectations. They're expected to be engaged. They're expected to have their video on. They're expected to be able to answer questions. Um, they're expected to have a quiet space to learn in a home and not be in the car running, you know, around what their parents doing whatever they're doing so there are some expectations we set up and the parents have to sign an agreement to say that that yes we will provide them a safe quiet space uh we they will help them if there's problems that the teacher obviously can't go and help them with um and so far it's it's done everyone's done really well with that uh we do have a few issues you know here and there and uh, sometimes it's just connectivity issues try to work with parents on that um, again, we want them to have the best education that they possibly can. Every study shows that it's better for the child to be in the classroom than on the Zoom. So we we don't want those children to get behind because studies show they're going to. So we're really trying to reach out and, and keep them connected. And that's the reason we have the parent expectations in place is we've got to make sure that they're as engaged as they possibly can be, knowing that they're looking at a screen most of the day. Um, again, they do PE. They have lunch breaks. They have all the different things that uh, class would. They have some breakout sessions. And the Google Classrooms really are quite impressive that the teachers are creating. So they can go and find their homework. They can go and find their uh, their work for the day and, and all that. So uh, teachers are really stepped up. Some teachers are absolutely have figured out the Zoom part and are fabulous virtual teachers when we came back to school we those teachers who are teaching that 20 percent are the ones who really did understand how to engage in that virtual world so to paint a picture for our listeners if you know the the rumors those are going to be the kids who are in the classroom and they're spread out in the classroom the teacher's going to be up by the board and and kind of a normal scenario there uh for the zoomers is it a different teacher who is who is only dealing with the online courses or do they kind of do double duty in that way uh we do have some teachers that are teaching a hybrid classroom and those hybrid classrooms you may have 17 in class and three online but the majority of our teachers are either doing online or in person okay so the hybrid is not uh not typical it's working at some schools and some schools it's it's definitely all virtual or all um in person um again that depends depended on the teacher and how they really wanted to uh work with their principal each school had that choice 
but typically it is either you're teaching online or you're teaching to a classroom. We had a listener question pop up just a minute ago I thought was interesting. We might not know the answer to this yet, but uh, just just kind of a, an interesting thought. Wanted to get your take on it. They said um, for students who may be you know, uh, a different time, maybe next year or the year after when things are back to mm-hmm. full classrooms, uh, if a student gets sick or has to m- miss time or maybe it's a, a family emergency, is there any thought process of like maybe we could use these online courses for you know patchwork for kids? Maybe, maybe they're going to be out for three or four days because they got sick, but we're going to give them this homework online. Now that we've kind of opened that up and we're doing some online classes, uh, has that been a thought at all? And, and what is your thought on that, if, if not? It has been a thought. I can tell you it's only a thought at this point. So there's not any um, anything more than it's, it's an idea. I think that we will probably have virtual students next year mm-hmm. uh, for a variety of purpose uh, reasons and um, – So we are thinking about that and seeing what it will look like next year. Um, But again, if a child is homesick, are they really going to feel like being a part of that virtual world? Mm -hmm. And so it will look different, and we have thought about that. It may be that they jump on a different classroom, a virtual classroom or something. Um, It's definitely what we don't want to encourage is people taking vacation and saying, my child can learn from Florida. Um, So that would not be something we could do. Um, However, with our homebound students, um, you know, homebound is a very different world because the child is very sick and typically is fighting some kind of disease that requ- requires them to be home for a significant amount of time. It may be something where it really helps them. Mm. But again, seeing that uh, teacher in person and typically our homebound, our teachers go to them for a couple of hours a week does just helps. You know, you just a teacher can do so much more in person than mm. they can online even though they're doing a great job online in person is still the best way and i know there are a lot of people who are you know they just say i have to visualize i have to see something done Mm -hmm. in front of me Mm -hmm. and i'm one of those people so if i'm online and i'm looking at something sometimes it just doesn't just doesn't connect the same way yeah as if you could ask somebody in person but yes we are definitely looking at what virtual looks like next year and hoping that we're not having to do it. <laughs> and uh, and for those you know students who are uh, learning virtually right now, you mentioned PE is still one of the things that they have to do. Um, what does that look like? Are they are they kind of at um, home doing jumping jacks in the yeah, living room and running around and pretty much? Cool. Um, if you go, we have um, a lot of videos online. Uh, music is one of the most interesting uh, things that we're doing online. So uh, there's an entire saxophone series that our students are able to do, and so they will they would have their their band instrument and then you would go online and watch a teacher teach that so that's not necessarily in real time Um, a lot of those special areas are not real time they're pre-recorded videos because it may be that um, the special area teacher for black fox is teaching the entire uh, district on that particular day so Mm -hmm. they've they've been able to do it so that they can go in and do some of the uh, things with the rumors but also have some really good series for those who are online and learning Um, so very interesting I I watch a lot of them just because I'm kind of curious as what's going on in those classrooms those virtual classrooms as well one of the music uh, programs that we put out, I think about three weeks ago, um, our, our music teacher did music and movement. And it, I told her, I was like, oh, man, I was tired. So it's like, okay, this is – so they are so amazingly creative. And they're, they're so dedicated to their work that our teachers are figuring out how to make this work for all students. 
Well, that's awesome. I think, you know, sometimes in these situations, you, you learn some things you never thought you would have known. You, you do things and they you, they turn into new ideas and, you know, never know where that could take off. So mm-hmm. um, that that is awesome. And, and again, another another check as far as it seems to be working, yes. which is which is positive news. Mm-hmm. All righty. wanted to ask you one more question before we take our last commercial break here. And that was the farm to school month. Is that this month, next month? I know we were chatting about this a little bit earlier. I wanted to find out more. Yeah, October is National Farm to School Month. Uh, We began our farm to school program uh, in 2014 with a planning grant. Uh, In 2020, I actually just did a school board report this week, so I have these numbers on top of my head. Since January, even with COVID, our farmers have already harvested over 2,000 pounds of vegetables. Those vegetables have either been in put into place in the cafeteria uh, sent home with parents uh, or uh, staff members or they were actually on the chow bus as well when we were running the chow bus so they are doing an amazing job Uh, it's really about teaching children where healthy food comes from and the fact that we are inside of Murfreesboro, we do have a lot of children who, who really have grown up inside of a city and sometimes inner city as well. And they just don't know where the vegetables and food processes come from. They, they don't understand what it looks like when it's a whole plant versus a chopped up piece of lettuce. So that was the goal is to get children to have children understanding where their food comes from. And it's a national it's a national network of farm to school folks. Um, and not only knowing where it comes from, but how can you reproduce this? How can I take this seed and go out to my apartment or my backyard and reproduce and have healthy vegetables coming? It really works nicely with our STEM, which is our science, technology, engineering, and math programs, because there is so much science in the growing of a vegetable. So in the past years, our farmers will go in and our farmers are master gardeners. They would go in and help a maybe a third grade teacher talk about um, seeds, um, photosynthesis and all that. This year it's been more organic because our farmers are not going in those classrooms. Uh, so it's during recess time whenever they'll come up to the farmers as they're in the gardens and saying, hey, what is this? How is this? And what are you, what are you picking? What are you doing this? What you? And it's really actually so sweet to watch because the kids are so excited to know what they're harvesting at that point. They'll do taste testing. You know, they'll wash off some peppers and, and eat those or lettuce or anything like that. Um, we actually have 10 greenhouses, and um, we have about 25 hydroponic towers. So those hydroponic towers are inside, and they can see them. They're in the cafeterias most of the time. So the children are watching these hydroponic towers produce their salads for the week or produce whatever is whatever is growing at that point. Um, and then we have um, outdoor gardens at all of our schools. Um, except Bradley. Bradley doesn't have a whole lot of land for the garden. But um, it's just really cool to watch the children get engaged. It is a science program. And it also is understanding that farmers, what they do for us is is absolutely necessary. So we've been very fortunate. So far we have uh, been on our program like I said for six years all of those are grant-based years so we are we started out with a uh, USDA grant we moved to a state grant and now we're back on a USDA grant and again it's very important for us to be able to harvest and children know that what what you're eating on Friday came from your garden on Wednesday 
so. And we've been talking about kindergarten through sixth grade mm-hmm. um, for, our, for our topic this morning for Murfreesboro City Schools. Is, is this something that stretches into middle school and into high school, or is it more K through six? Um, it depends. Uh, the districts that, again, being pre-K through six, I can only talk about what we do. Mm-hmm. So um, across the nation in general, it is very much a K through 12 program. Uh, you'll see a lot of our high schools here with their plant sales and their FFA and all of that. They're they're producing. They're understanding where it's coming from. And so it really does tie into that. And hopefully we're getting children interested in this plant management, this horticulture, all of the things that go along. There's so many jobs and careers that are associated with farming that if they get their first peak of interest when they're young maybe they'll continue on with that but yes some of the farms that we've visited are actually large farms that are um the high schoolers are using sometimes they're um uh, either either it, it's a different classes depending on where you are as far as what the class title is but they're out there during their class understanding the process and I, I think that is so cool that that age group, you can get them interested in, in farming and, and learning where this food comes right. from. And, um, you know, if you can get a second or third grader on board by the time that they're in high school, middle school, high school, they're going to be thinking about that next step. They might have a garden at their home. And mm-hmm. um, that is that is really cool. I think that is really neat. Well, we're going to take a quick time out, check on the weather and traffic one more time this hour, at least to trail our guests. And we're going to wrap up uh, any of those questions that you've sent off to us. We're going to get those wrapped up here in the next couple minutes. And uh, if you're thinking about something, send it on over. And we'll get that question answered for you. Uh, We'll be right back. Thank you so much for listening. And Lisa, thank you for uh, answering some of these questions for us and uh, clearing the air on some of these uh, questions the folks have had. So we'll be right back with more. At Bud's Tire Pros, they care about those who live and work here because you're a big part of what makes this place great. This is Kay Mitchell at Bud's Tire. Come by and see us at Bud's Tire, 3600 East Main Street, or call 896-TIRE. They will be here through the good times and the uncertain times. For those who are out on the road, stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, they're essential. They're open. They're local. Visit them online at BudsTireProsTN.com. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at TireWorld.us. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at DemasFamilyKitchen.com. If I could talk to the animals. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, right here in Murfreesboro. Whether you're looking for a new pet to add to the family or accessories to keep your current pet happy and enriched, Animal City is the place for you. We are excited to announce that our fall fragrance pet odor exterminating candles are here. If you have not experienced these, you should stop in and check them out. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street, right here in Murfreesboro. Thank you for allowing us to serve you for 30 years. 
Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. October is Car Care Awareness Month, and First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna wants to give you 10% off for your fall tune-up. So stop by and make sure that heat is blowing hot and your air conditioning is not. That's 10% off for your fall tune-up at First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. COVID-19 has changed our world. And First National Bank of Murfreesboro is here to help you. We understand your uncertainty. And First National Bank of Murfreesboro is always here for our customers. We encourage the use of our digital tools, ATM, mobile banking, internet, and even the drive-thru. First National Bank of Murfreesboro, 2230 Mercury Boulevard. Now a part of the Capstar Bank family, member FDIC. Mostly sunny skies here for this afternoon with a high in the low 60s. Winds out of the north at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear skies, alone near 35. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 46. Good morning. Traffic still holding up here as we check it out live on 24 westbound here at 840. Some of that traffic getting on to 840 headed over towards Franklin, Williamson County. It's building out here sections of Middle Tennessee Boulevard. There's still a steady flow of traffic right now on 231 coming uh, out of Shelbyville headed up towards the interstate. Hey, celebrate autumn this year at Obergatlinburg during Oktoberfest. Now through November 1st, all the fun details at Obergatlinburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. like to remind our listeners that weather and traffic this hour brought to you by First Class Sales and Service of Smyrna. They're conveniently located at 307 Hazelwood Drive in Smyrna and reminding you not to wait on that fall tune-up. In fact, they will give you 10% off for a fall tune-up now through the end of the month for just showing up. Tell them you heard this ad and they will knock 10% off the top. Uh, as the temperature cools, make sure you can rely on your car to not only keep you warm, you're going to need that heat. It was like 45 this morning when I woke up. You know I had my heat going. And your car needs to be able to get you where you need to go safely. Um, so make sure all your, your fluids are topped off. Make sure things are ready to go for the cooler months. Stop by First Class Sales and Service of Smyrna. Again, they're conveniently located for you right on 307 Hazelwood Drive. Stop by 10% off fall tune-ups now through the end of the month. All righty, Lisa Trail joining us as we wrap up the action line. And I always like to give a, a plug on, you know, so many ways to listen to WGNS. You can listen to us on the radio, on your phone, on your computer. Well, it was brought to my attention, and I think this is just the coolest, that the maintenance crew uh, over at Murfreesboro City Schools, big-time WGNS listeners, they always have us on. So if they're up there working on lights, air conditioning, uh, getting the outside looking good, mowing the lawn, uh, Larry Williford and his crew have always got WGNS going, so we appreciate that. We we appreciate what you do, Larry, and your crew. Keep up the awesome work. And uh, don't forget, if you guys can't find us on the dial, you can find us on the WGNS app for your smartphone, or you can find us online. So we are everywhere, wherever you need us to be. Uh, Lisa, I wanted to mention Linda Gilbert. She kind of, uh, this past week, there was a school board meeting, and, and they kind of mentioned her and took a few minutes to honor her. She passed away in May, and I told you off the air, I'd met Linda briefly a few times. 
But that was one of those people that anytime her name gets brought up, everybody has something good to say about her, and they say she was just wonderful. Uh, so I wanted to give you a couple minutes as we wrap up this morning just to share your thoughts on her. And, and again, we lost her in May. Uh, a lot of people um, since then have you know, reached out, and I've just talked to them, and they said what a wonderful lady she was. Absolutely. Linda um, <clears throat> was one of those people that once you met her, you knew her and um, was so good for our district and for Murfreesboro and for the children in Murfreesboro. So she is missed at Murfreesboro City Schools every day. Dr. Gilbert was just flat out amazing. Um, so Tuesday night, we did have several proclamations and resolutions uh, honoring her and her family were pre- was present for our uh, school board meeting. <clears throat> One of the things that uh, she received was the George Kipp Real Award, and that award is given from the Tennessee Organization of School Superintendents. So we had Dr. Dale Lynch with us, and he actually presented that to her um, her family. And Linda was um, actually elected as the TOSS Superintendent of the Year um, two years ago. So it was very fitting. Not only was she the superintendent of the year, but she received this wonderful award from them, just recognizing everything she has done for education and for children over the past, uh, pretty much her lifetime was spent for children. So it's, you know, again, there, if you've met Dr. Gilbert, you just, there, she just, she would just light up a room. You knew she was in the room when she was there. That's for sure. Um, in addition to Dr. Lynch being there on behalf of TOSS, we also had several of our uh, state representatives there, uh, Charlie Baum, Tim Rudd, uh, Mike Sparks, and they were representing uh, Tennessee as far as with resolutions for her and for what she had done, and again, presented those to her family. And then we uh, had a uh, kind of a surprise guess in the fact that our commissioner of education, uh, Penny Schwinn, came and uh, also talked about Dr. Gilbert and what she had meant to education and to our community. So um, I know that the loss the family feels, I, I, I can't even imagine it, to be quite honest, but um, it has to help to know how much Dr. Gilbert was appreciated and how much she's honored in her for her life and in her death so yeah that was pretty special and they did a great job just talking about a personal side of dr gilbert awesome well we are just about out of time but i wanted to end on that and uh, just make sure that uh you know for folks out there who hadn't heard about that i thought that was pretty special saw that mm-hmm. up online this morning and and wanted to bring that up about 30 seconds left uh lisa i'm gonna let you finish up any message to the parents to your coworkers, to the community on just how they've they've handled all this adversity this year I think that my main thing is just saying thank you. Thank you to the teachers for stepping up. Thank you for our community for helping us and embracing our new changes. Parents, again, they've had to be flexible with us this year, and we appreciate them so much. And, again, our administration, uh, Mr. Ringstaff has stepped up in, in the face of adversity and done a tremendous job. Um, our board has been very supportive. I I've just there's just so many accolades I would like to give and um, we appreciate everything that's being done from making sure our children have you know warm food or hot food to making sure that they have a good education so thank you to all of Murfreesboro City Schools but mainly to our community for supporting us through this process. 
All righty. Well, Lisa, we thank you as well. You've been awesome. You've answered a lot of questions this morning. I think we got to just about all of them, and uh, we appreciate it. We'd love to have you on again sometime soon, so thank you for everything that you do, and uh, we'll be back with the Action Line on Monday. Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Truman Show coming up next. The voice of Rutherford County, the flagship station for Blue Raiders sports. Time on the courthouse clock is 9 o'clock. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. The future of the Nathan Bedford Forest bust at the state capitol is now being discussed by the Tennessee Historical Commission. Members of the commission voted in July to move the bust to the Tennessee State Museum, along with those of Admiral David Farragut and Albert Gleaves. Discussion over the bust of the Confederate general and KKK leader will center on the Historical Protection Act. Experts say it's very difficult to move Confederate monuments to Tennessee due to amendments to the 2013 Tennessee Heritage Protection Act. There are over 100 Confederate symbols standing in Tennessee, with more than 40 Confederate monuments near courthouses, courthouse grounds, or on government property. Early voting has already broken records across the volunteer state. Rutherford County Election Administrator Alan Farley said each year the election administrator uses trends to predict the total turnout for a county. For 2020, Rutherford County Election Administrator Farley went out on a limb. I'm going to say we're going to be right at 65% total voter turnout. And I'm going to say our total number is going to be right at 126,000 voters. News Radio WGNS will compare the actual numbers to that prediction during election returns coverage the night of November 3rd. 